Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and he appears in the form of a co-host. It's Brian Martin. Uh, hey, uh, how's it going, everybody? Doing good? Everybody good? Nate, you good? <laughs> I'm good. I keep trying out new intros. Have you fallen in love? <laughs> it's really, really catching me off guard every time. I'm like, whoa. Huh? Is he talking about me? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing is the one that I had chosen, a co-host that we can all see in here. Yeah. Every time I say that, I imagine that person out there that's going, well, I can't see him. But that's why I mentioned my Instagram account at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, I mean, you can. You elect not to. <laughs> <laughs> as far as you know. Have you picked up any followers? Oh, maybe that's where they're coming from. Yeah. If my Instagram requests are any indication, Nate, we've got millions of attractive bots listening <laughs> to this show. <laughs> yeah. I'll take the audience any way I can get it. Sure. How have you been, friend? Uh, good. Any Anything good. going on? No. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be here in the waiting room. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I don't think you shared your story. You got to meet Mr. Show. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, Bob yeah, Odenkirk last week. Bob Odenkirk's traveling the country right now with his daughter, who he just created a book of poems with. Very, Is that uh, what that was? Yeah, it's very Shel Silverstein-esque, as you would expect. And well, yeah, I wasn't expecting poetry at all. I assumed it was like some children's book or something. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's children's poetry. But yeah. so he, as these kids were growing up, they would all create poetry together. And during the pandemic, he got that old book out that touched it up a little bit. And his daughter, who has just finished college. I was going to ask how old she was. Created the artwork for it. And it's pretty delightful. Bob Odenkirk's a writer. <laughs> you yeah, know? no, exactly. First and foremost. So it's no ghostwriters on this unless you count his son when his son was like four. <laughs> so I well, guess if he, if he, he didn't get a publishing credit, then yeah, ghostwriter. I think that he's in there somewhere. I think that I think. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a little cooler than I thought it was. Every celebrity under the sun has a children's book, it seems. Yeah. You know, well, every late night talk show host anyway. Yeah, I feel like they write those because that's about their speed. If we were better hosts, this would be a perfect segue, <laughs> given that we've, in a roundabout way, gotten to the Tonight Show. Tonight Show, uh, yeah. Which plays a heavy role in the Quantum Leap episode this week. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Yeah, this week's episode of Quantum Leap is like, get him to the Greek, but uh, <laughs> with somebody far more appealing than Russell Brand. <laughs> 
did you or did you not expect to see a cameo by Jay Leno? Did not expect. Really? I was expecting he'd squeeze in there and you're at I the end. If there was anything, maybe some like archival footage, because obviously Jay Leno looks much different now than he looked 23 years ago. Yeah. Um, and in fact, is he doing anything now? Didn't he have some health problems? I don't know. We're here to talk about time travel, Brian. That's what we do. We're actually here to talk about a different washed up celebrity. True. That's a good. See, segues galore over here. We're trying to get on topic, guys. We're, we're just really hitting around it and missing the mark. I suppose we can just jump right into this. That Well, the show certainly did jump right into it, because this is the second week in a row we didn't get a saga cell. Yes, I know. Uh, you know what? Would we rather not get a saga cell at all, or would we rather have the Addison cell? No, I'd go without. Yeah. I'd go without rather than the Addison, but that's like a far cry from what I'd really want, which is the Deborah Pratt. The Deborah Pratt. I really want that. Second option, way, 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 way down, is nothing. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then under that, uh, you know, Addison, I, I really could take or leave. It's not a knock against Caitlin Bassett. No, it's just it's give us something. Yeah, it's not the delivery. It's not the actress or anything like that. It's what's written. It's nothing engaging about it. Especially in season one, I think all the Saga Cell did was serve to remind us of the things that were irking us about the show. That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the things that get under our skin the most about this reboot are addressed and brought up over and over again in the Saga Cell. They're the big selling points. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm leaning towards, hey, if we're not going to do a Saga Cell, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I would prefer to have one. But yeah, you're not wrong. Most of the time, what you and I were interested in was not that overarching story who accepted the nudge this week brian whoa boy guys it is april 4th of the year 2000 and ben has leaped into summer walsh who is the assistant to neil russell star of such productions as cosmic attraction public safety and (laughs) awful good together the president's neck is missing i'm troy mcclure you may remember me from such movies as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. I, I love Gladys, the groovy mule. <laughs> um, I really love the Troy McClure-esque dropping of titles yeah. in this episode. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like Buck Henderson, Union Buster, and Troy and Company's Summertime Smile Factory. Nate, one of your favorite things about this show is the titles of each episode and That's how right. punny or dad jokey they can be. Sure. And I feel like they just had a field day with this episode, just coming up with random titles that this Neil Russell had started. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. The Revenge of Abe Lincoln and the Wackiest Covered Wagon in the West. I tried to write them all down. I know I missed a couple. Anyway, so Neil Russell is a washed-up, has-been actor played by the terrific... Tim Matheson. I still can't believe Tim Matheson was in this episode, but it's great. He's on the cusp of a late-stage career resurgence, but his life is about to get upended by his ex-wife's remarriage. In order to save Neil's life, Ben has to make sure that Neil gets to the Tonight Show. <laughs> yes, that's the, that's the that's main like plot. That's literally <laughs> it. Yeah, he needs to appear on the Tonight Show. Ziggy says... That the thing that will save Neil's life is appearing on The Tonight Show. And if you recall, as Nate and I were discussing a second ago, The Tonight Show in the year 2000 was hosted by Jay Leno. Yeah. Yeah. 
okay, let's go. And I did. I'm, I'm with you. I kind of hoped that maybe there'd be a Leno cameo somehow in this. I was really expecting one. We sadly don't actually see him get to the show or see a part of the show. I would have liked for it to move over to, like, Team Quantum Leap, watching a clip from that Tonight Show interview on YouTube or something in the future. Yeah, you know, that, sure. Hey, we did it, guys. You know, something like that would have been fine. It'd with be me. easy enough to, like, superimpose him into some footage. Sure, Forrest Gump, Gump him into some footage. Tim Matheson into an episode of The Tonight Show. Although, I got to admit, the less I see Jay Leno, the better. Really? I'm not a big fan. <laughs> oh, all right. But nevertheless, Jay Leno was going to save this man's life. While all this is happening on the league, Tom Westfall, your favorite new character, yes, settles Tom. in as the head of Project Quantum Leap, and Ian makes a discovery that carries some grave implications. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, my very first chicken scratch note here is a good place to start, I think, which okay. is just... OMG, no. <laughs> Immediately, I wrote that down. Immediately. Um, was it the staff meeting? What? No. You, when, you know, when, when Tom calls the staff meeting. Oh, no, 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 no. This was like literally first frame. The they first did frame. the thing where, cut, I'm an actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay, like, okay. you've got to be kidding me. I mean, it, it's like pulling the rug out from under you, and I understand that's kind of like what they were going for, but it's just like... This is known for misdirection, you know? Like, the my favorite misdirect from season one being the the, the flight attendant. The bloody the knife. knife. Yeah. Yep. But course. see, that's creative. This is not yeah, creative. Yeah. This is like Ben and Teller obvious. <laughs> so I will tell you, I will tell you that the extreme close-up of Tim Matheson at the beginning of the leap, his tone of voice, the way he delivers the lines, I am ready to see this episode. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. It does kind of pull the rug out from under you, and it's a complete misdirect. He says, hey, not bad for a former TV star whose best days are behind him. Am I right? And they kind of walk off together. And I'll tell you why it didn't get under my skin. It's because Tim Matheson is incredibly likable. Yeah, no... (laughs) It didn't and he last. just sells the moment. Like, as soon sure. as he walks away, I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, but I want to know more about this guy. It didn't last long. Like, it was okay. Yeah. I just thought, oh, my, you know, like, it's another one of these lazy things to do, I guess. That's fair. I don't think it reaches poker game levels of laziness, <laughs> but it is close. It is a fairly obvious route to go and the thing is situationally there doesn't seem to be a real reason for him to be just rehearsing a random line of dialogue from this audition right? in the middle of like a backlot parking lot and he right? wasn't even going to an audition was he is that he where was, he was going he was he had either just auditioned for a part or was about to audition for a part really the audition getting any sort of role in anything moving forward is not the main focus of this right? nothing's jumping to mind but i feel fairly confident that they did that in the original quantum leap at some point like probably the oh, man of la mancha yes. or something he was probably on stage for that i'm sure they pulled this maneuver before but oh I yeah know. i was disappointed cuz i really did want to like what has ben get himself into and then it's like oh love story i'll tell you what though when i went to start this episode on peacock 
the episode image mm-hmm. is like Tim Matheson in like a Planet Hollywood hat and a jacket. And I was like, <laughs> there is no way this episode is about what I think it was going to be. Oh, you got it spoiled by the by the thumbnail. Sure. I liked the fact that we immediately see Ben's reflection in a mirror as I it did. goes by. Yeah, I liked the um, way they did that. I thought that was fun. It captured this sort of momentum and the hustle and bustle of Hollywood, I think. Because it's like a very passing moment. He doesn't get to linger on it. He just kind of, whoa, hey, almost ran into that mirror. And, oh, there I am. And we just keep on going. And another thing that really sells that opening scene for me is that Ben is just fangirling so hard over this. Just like, you're Neil Russell. He's like, you're goddamn right I am, you know? (laughs) It's very cool. Yeah. I honestly thought that your summary of the episode was just going to be about the Project Quantum Leap side. This was not a Leap episode, you know? Yeah. It's a Tim Matheson episode with some 2026 stuff in it. I'd like to know how much time he's actually on screen. Yeah. I mean, he runs off a lot. Neil is trying to, just for context, in the original history, on this day, and when Addison shows up, she and Ben have marathoned his movies before. They really bond over it. They both think this is the coolest situation to be in. And Addison mentions that it's April 4th. And I think maybe Ben mentions that, oh, this is about the time of the accident. Right. He says, do you think this has something to do with the accident? They already know Neil's history because they're fans of his body of work. And he disappears the next day at sea. So he dies on this voyage and the whole episode, Neil is just like, I'm going to go sailing. I'm going to go sailing. And they're like, no, 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 don't go. Don't go to the Marina. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we got to go there. The moment early on that sets everything in motion in terms of what is it that compels him to leave in the first place is that they're going through some of his mail and he finds in the mail, a couple of things. One is something he kind of dismisses as being from an old address And the other is an invitation to his ex-wife's wedding, which is happening in her backyard that afternoon. I'm like, boy, you got that right in the nick of time. I think she probably waited to send it in the hopes that, well, I invited you, but like she didn't really want him to come. I kind of got the sense that he hadn't gotten the mail in forever. There's clearly some mail backed up there because you see multiple things from the same address. Ben is carrying a big bag. Well... He's got a bunch of letters that he's like, oh, I hear you're bringing some mail. But it is kind of funny. It reminds me of the end of that comic book issue (laughs) where the guy gets free from jail and like immediately goes to a child's birthday party. Right. (laughs) It's kind of like that. (laughs) Best comic ever. (laughs) So Neil runs off. Ben runs him down at his ex-wife's estate and decides that what we have to do to breathe life into Neil, he's got to get him back together. He's got to do some grand gestures and win his ex-wife back, which is the worst idea possible. Right. 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 Like there's no way this is going to work. And beyond that, what about this poor woman? And what about this poor guy she's engaged to, you know, like all of these people are just collateral damage in this cockamamie plan. But of course it's coming from a place for Ben of, loss and Addison and he's feeling bad about that and he's just wishing there was something he could do to rekindle that so he's really kind of acting out a fantasy oh yeah yeah and the show doesn't take it seriously the show is constantly playing this whole win her back thing tongue-in-cheek and again 
Matheson is just so delightful, I could just buy it. I'm sure there's other people who could sell it, uh-huh. but he does a really great job with it. The leap was plot B in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, it feels. So Tom's actual position is senior official at the Pentagon's Defense Innovation Unit. And I immediately wrote down, oh, they want Quantum Leap for nefarious purposes. Yeah, right. Like, I don't trust this at all. The Defense Innovation Unit? I just don't trust the government on this show. Yeah, no, I... Nobody trusts the government anyway. I think it's about large... Power? Global... Yeah, exact... Yeah. What could we achieve... Yeah. So it's, it's all on a global scale, I think. So Magic calls the meeting and mm-hmm. he says, uh, as you've noticed, we're back up and running. And I was like, he says this to the, everybody that's there working. And if I would been there, I'd been like, well, no shit. <laughs> we, we've been here for like two fucking weeks. Yeah, it's like, I've already gotten a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I guess we have to introduce this man to the staff. And he wasn't there last week. True okay. enough. But it really just called me to question again. What does magic do there? What does he do now? Like, I I don't don't know. know. I honestly don't know. I do have one thing that he does. He pronounces the word memoir very fascinatingly. (laughs) One of my favorite 2023 moments this week is when (laughs) magic comes in with six copies of Neil Russell's memoir and just hands them out to the main staff and says... We're going to read this. And Ian's initial response is like, can't I just let Ziggy read it for me? Yeah, right. Can't we just have Ziggy read it? Magic's response is, it's a memoir. <laughs> Sometimes in a memoir, you got to read between the lines. Yeah, you know? okay. But it's like yeah. he really puts a spin on that second syllable. And I was like, oh, man, sometimes you forget Gurney Hudson is a true thespian. He really put a generous spin on the second syllable of memoir. He's doing the best he can with the time he's got. You know, his time on (laughs) screen is probably going to shrink and shrink and shrink. I mean, now that the guy that's in charge isn't him anymore, like, there's no reason for him to be there. Like, I don't know. Seems bizarre. But yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. Especially when I think Magic's role on this show up to this point has been the, the optimist. Yeah, right. Right, Like, he's the guy who's there. He's got the purest, most altruistic intentions behind bringing the project back. He believes in it, right? Sure, yeah. In the core of his being. And Tom, in some pretty substantial ways, immediately supplants him as that character this week. Immediately. I think he does it in ways that draw his motivations into question and i may just still be reading into it and projecting a little bit because he is a little too altruistic for a pencil pushing government guy yeah i noted that as well the way i put it down though is of course he's going to be the one that solves the problem this week you know Mm -hmm. obviously he's going to be the one that has the answer to the leap because he needs to be immediately useful and we have to like him because he's going to help everybody without any my question, I guess, becomes, does this make the character endearing or insufferable? <laughs> All right. So for the majority of this episode, I was veering towards insufferable. Oh, you're not turning the corner on Tom, are you? Well, I wouldn't say I'm turning the corner, but I think he gets the best moment this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, that's... 
you probably know what I'm talking about. I think about. I know what you're alluding to. It's independent, I feel, of his saving everybody's life, catching what he's supposed to be reading in between the lines, you know. Right. I, I think I know what you're getting to. It's probably something that we should come around to at some point. Um, I think I think we should probably wrap with this idea. There's been a lot of chatter mm-hmm. online since this episode aired about the implications of what he says right. on whether or not Ben's song is ever coming yeah, out. Or the continuity as a whole. Yeah, so we can kind of talk about that a little bit later. I do want to take our time getting there, though, just because so much happens in between outside of that moment there's so much of this show that is and i've done it before but it's recognizable as writing yes you know what i mean i i can't think of a better way to put it and i've said this before but it just feels like this is tom's episode and well we've got to make him likable we don't want anybody to think that addison would be with a jerk so uh when he first comes in he needs to be the one that's contributing the best and we'll let him figure out what it is that Ben's there to do that. I don't like this guy. You're trying too hard. Like I'm already want to know more about the waitress from the last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. I, I, she'll be back. I think she's going to be back mm-hmm. soon, but for now, yeah, we, we don't get that. I agree that they're trying too hard. I mentioned 24, before as a show that historically would pull the rug out from under you on characters that you thought you could trust. Right. right? And there was only one character I can recall in 24's history that you probably felt suspicious of, but it turned out he was just as altruistic as he was putting forth. Yeah. And it should not surprise you to know this character was played by Sean Astin, who, who is great at selling characters who are just very... Noble, you know? It's Mr. Samwise Gamgee. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. In in the history of fiction, he's the best friend anyone ever had. (laughs) Even Stranger Things, he plays a character like that, too. Yeah, he does. I mean, like, it's it's just who he is as a character there. Rudy himself. I have to think that we are going to get a moment some point in this season where Tom is reporting back to a shadowy figure about something potentially nefarious. I don't think so. I think at the end, the writers won't want Addison to have been duped. I mean, I kind of hope you're right. I I mean, I hope you're right. (laughs) I don't know. Well, it's like, which one is more derivative? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. It's just like... I think you're damned if you do or damned if you don't with this guy now, personally. When Magic introduces him to the staff, Tom saved us all from some dark days. Good old Tom. You know, like... Tom Tom saved Addison from some dark days. I think that's probably true. Yeah, I... Uh, We're really overselling Tom a lot. And he comes in and is like, like, everybody's kind of skeptical of him being there and he's like i know but this is the government you can't change the world without some paperwork (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah oh tom good lord yeah Uh, but his goal his goal that he espouses at that meeting is to show everyone in washington how noble and inspiring quantum leap is right that's and i was like oh are is that what we're gonna do this season (laughs) (laughs) are we gonna be noble and inspiring because i'm 
definitely here for that. Yeah, that's true. I don't really foresee that. The other thing about him, obviously, you know, outside of being a great guy and having the answers to the leap, he also notices that there is a huge energy spike that's greater than it's ever been for the past three years each time Ben leaps. Yes. And this takes Ian by surprise. Like of he hasn't all noticed. People, they, haven't watching. they haven't watched it. It takes Ian by surprise. Yeah. How are they not aware of this? Like, yeah. It uh, takes Tom sure. to come in and show us. I, just, uh, I don't know. Tom could run the project by himself. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, at the time, I was actually pretty interested in that. Like, ooh, what does that mean? Uh, and once they tell you what it means, I stopped caring. But so on the one hand, I did think it was kind of nice <laughs> in the sense of just continuity. Ian makes a phone call to their significant other to meet for lunch mm-hmm. and they go out to meet and Rachel from season one comes in. Ian's estranged significant other that we meet. I want to say like around episode 12, maybe, or 13 in season one. They go for coffee together. Yeah. Yeah. And what we discover is that Rachel's boss designed a a chip for Ziggy. A microchip for Ziggy. You know, technology. Yeah. (laughs) Ian says that there's something seriously wrong with the quantum processing chip that was built by Rachel's boss. Excellent. Right. And the thing that's wrong with it is that with every leap, the chip's transmitting Ziggy's code out of Project Quantum Leap to somewhere else. I think what I want to touch on first, however, is that is a really shitty reason to break up with somebody or to to have a fight with somebody over. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to make ian apologize for this situation are you kidding me it's a government project ian's supposed to keep secrets yeah evidently she's not even supposed to know that it's about time travel like apparently they share way more than they're supposed to yeah yeah like you've got to be kidding me i was i oh my it was like ian's told her about what the project is but has not told her that they found Ben. And then she feels betrayed because they didn't say anything about finding Ben. Well, yeah. Like, you know the whole thing. Yeah. He's, they've told you everything. It's like, so it's so petty and stupid. I was just like. It is, it is extraordinarily petty. Ian, you do not need this girl. <laughs> yeah. If no. I'm going to get in the middle of any relationships on this show, it would be that one. You need to leave this girl. Because. I had the same feeling in season one, and I don't remember. It was a, a very similar problem that they don't share enough or something. I think it was like, I it's think the that same was the problem. problem. Yeah, that was the same problem. One, she broke up with Ian because Ian wouldn't talk about the project. Right. Like, and so they got back together enough, in, the, yeah. in the ensuing three years. They got back together. Ian spilled the beans on everything. Evidently, but I guess the project was shut down, so maybe it's a little bit different. Like, it's like, yeah, it's not important anymore. But now it's like, the project's back up. The information is classified. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, that, it it does seem it, very, very unfair. It Rachel actually angry. I was just like, I think this it's funny. Is stupid. What a terrible they're reason. So, 
they're so preoccupied with making sure we love Tom that they forgot to make Rachel endearing. <laughs> yeah, Rachel is not likable at all. No, it was really disappointing. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Rachel will be back. Rachel will be back. Well, I'm she sure. has to because she's probably intertwined with Mr. Super Evil Man. Excellent. Yeah, who's the boss? That's the big question. One of the three <laughs> Tony big questions Danza coming out boss. of this week. I wish. To, oh my gosh! If they could get Tony Danza, the only oh thing that, would that would be, be awesome. Better, yeah. The only thing that would be better than Tim Matheson this week would be Tony Danza coming back. Tony Danza <laughs> should play you know? the boss. He should play the Tony, evil man. Tony Danza should be the new hologram. I bet he's a little Al-esque at this point in his life. <laughs> Outside of the breakup on that relationship, I guess the big secret about how they found Ben was they went out and got some black market chip to boost Ziggy's quantum searching thing. You know, I'll be honest, if that's the only explanation we get or we have to kind of connect those dots, I'm okay with it. I would rather leave that behind in favor of oh, someone outside of the project is starting to glean information from Ziggy and knows that something's going on out there. That's a more interesting plot line to me than just like, oh, Ian knew something and they weren't forthcoming about it. That is interesting. And as I was watching it, I was pretty interested in it. And after I was done watching it, I was kind of like, okay, so evil corporate businessman. Lothos. You know, Lothos. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, maybe Lothos is not the government. Maybe it's capitalism gone awry. Hey, I'm telling you, like, if it's not Tom's superiors, then it's the corporate guy. If it's not the corporate guy, it's Tom's superiors. So they're definitely going towards Lothos. If we don't get an origin story for Lothos and the evil leapers, I will eat my shoe. (laughs) I'm not not saying it's going to happen now. And if the show gets canceled, don't hold me to it. What? But if if they have their druthers and they're able to get through the story they're aiming to tell and that isn't part of it, I will eat a shoe. All right. Uh, with <laughs> spicy mustard? No, um, you'll make it go down. I got to lube it up with some, uh, probably some mayo. <laughs> mayo and leather. Um, yeah. <laughs> that stuff was definitely the focus of this episode. You know, the mystery box... Tom coming back, all of the stuff at Project Quantum Leap. That was your A plot, I feel like. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, part of me still feels like they spent less time with all that stuff than they would have in season one. It feels like there was know. a lot going on that was not necessarily directly connected to each other there. And I think that's why it felt like we spent too much time in 2026. Oh, 2026, that's right. I'm assuming it's keep... 2026, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, I've got to keep that in mind. it's three years later, yeah. so. No, you're not wrong. I The other thing that this tells us, though, is that Jen is just another example of how terrible she is at her job. She is privy to information that is compromising the project. And she's the head <laughs> of <right>. security. <laughs> like, what the shit? That's, oh. Uh, you know what? I want, just once, I would love for somebody to come into Jen's office, and we see her perspective behind the computer. It's like an over-the-shoulder shot. We can see her computer screen, and it's just like the Wikipedia page for Real Housewives. (laughs) Like, she's at work, and all she's doing is 
looking up like celebrity information. That's that's what I want that to be. Seems more like she should be reading a book called Cybersecurity for Dummies. <laughs> I, oh crap! I wrote this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, these guys. You'd think all of them would be better at their jobs than they are, but I guess that's why we got Tom. Why does Jen need to know that secret? And why is that a secret she would keep if she's in charge of security? And if they're keeping the secret because they're all pals now, because they don't necessarily work together anymore, so we're just buddies, and I'm going to keep your secret for you, then why isn't Magic in on it? It's just... It's just Magic was too busy with his soulmate, man. Just, like, he's been off buying jewelry and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's just dumb. It does raise some questions, none of which will be answered. Right. And I don't... <laughs> you know, it's like... There's there's a lot of human to human interpersonal things on this show that the show just says uh, you kind of just got to go with it. Right. You know, just just go with this part. Well, that's the writing that part. part. That's what makes it feel like writing is there's no yes. answer to anything. There's no if you don't have a reason for something then there's no motivation and if there's no motivation for it then I'd like to say Jen is acting out of character but I don't even know <laughs> what that is yeah well so. where does Jen, where do jen's loyalties lie right like do jen's loyalties lie in her work or in her friends and i think it's her friends yeah you know i mean if i could say anything about jen it's probably that well given that her security background comes from being a cyber hacker right she's already disreputable like She's right. like Ving yeah. Rhames. Oh, yeah, yeah Luther. Of... Like Luther Stickle in the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Um, oh, man, they should get him to be on this show as Luther. You just want this to cross over with everything. Magnum I, P.I., I Mission, Impossible, Mission Impossible, Jurassic Park. Animal House. <laughs> <laughs> Super evil businessman. How long is it going to take to reveal who that is? Are we going to see this person next week? No. No. We're going to see him in two weeks, three weeks. I think mid-season finale. I mean, mid-season finale might be next week. I don't know. Maybe they do have eight or nine episodes cooking. I'm thinking at this point. And we still got the witch. Assuming those were finished filming, maybe they're not done filming. We've still got at least two episodes that we absolutely know are in the can. I think the Egypt episode is in the can. Like, they're talking about the Egypt episode like it's the mid-season finale. Well, like, we don't know if it's the next one because, again, no leap there's out. There's no no leap out. But, again, I think it's done for dramatic effect this week. That's not the drama I want. No, it isn't. I agree. It's like the, the drama we get at the end of this episode is kind of uh, – I did feel a little bit – it was gratifying for me because Ben says exactly what I said last week. True. Very that true. You called it. You cannot heal from a relationship that is finished if you have to spend all your time around each other. And Ben kind of acknowledges that at the end of this episode. I think Addison feels like things are getting better between them before this moment. Yeah. You know, I feel like she feels like, you know, yeah, they had a big fight out on the street. They don't seem like that relationship that has their big blow up fight and then everything's fine. Ben doesn't seem like that type of person. No. For him to have acted the way that he did, it's got to cut deep, right? So, I also got an answer to one of my questions from last week, which was when Ben remembered everyone, did he know Tom? And the answer is no. No. 
Yeah. Because Addison lets slip that Tom kind of saved the day and figured things out. And Ben said, Tom, is he the new guy in the office? And then he's like, oh, Addison, is he your boyfriend? Yeah. And And he's watching the leaps. Has he been watching the leaps? He gets really weirded out. And I mean, justifiably so. Yeah, I would feel that way, too, if I'm like on the Truman show and my ex's new boyfriend is watching me. Yeah, I mean, that's... I do think the argument they have out on the street is pretty well done, I think. I really liked the back and forth there. There's some great lines in there. Ben says, you know, he's never stopped thinking about getting back home, and and what I needed was for you to wait for me. I jumped through time and space to save you, and you couldn't wait three years. That goes back to what you said last week, about three years not seeming like that much time. Right, right? yeah. He said, I would have waited forever for you, Addison. I would have never stopped looking. And then Addison immediately counters with the first thing that came to my head. What I would say if somebody said that to me, it's easy to say you would wait when you're not the one who had to wait. When you were the one who left and not the one that got left behind. I think it's a great, very honest, very human interaction in in an episode that's filled with questionable exchanges between the people, you know. Um, I felt like that one was pretty raw and honest. It is, and neither one of them is particularly wrong. The moment that kind of sells Addison's side of it is her story of having attempted to jump in the accelerator and go find him, thinking that the accelerator might take her directly to him, which is something that Al was planning to do in the yet unwritten season six of Quantum Leap, you know? And yeah, so she got pulled out of that, and then she had to write a eulogy and some finalized things there on the flip side the note is that she's been with tom for eight months yes yeah it's not a terribly long time no i think it's just the right amount of time to create a will they or won't they love triangle situation which is what this episode is really trying to set up yeah with all of the talk about Neil Russell's movie marathons. They talk about how they had that weekend when they were sick right. in 2000, probably with COVID. Right. <laughs> and, and they were all at home just powering through all of those movies together. And at the end of the leap, when they save Neil and Addison's kind of telling Ben what comes next, Addison mentions like he makes like seven more movies that we can watch that we can watch. And Ben catches it and says, we, I think she was legitimately thinking about her and Ben. So that's something that Tom should be upset about then. That's yeah. Tom should be upset about that. Okay. Yeah. But unless he doesn't like Neil Russell films, which I think we establish he does. (laughs) Do we? (laughs) I'm sure he likes everything that we're supposed to like. Look, everybody, like he does. He does. Yeah. Uh, He, he loved Game of Thrones, hated the finale. Yep. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he was one of the first people to binge Breaking Bad, right? That's true. That's also true. So Ben catches that when she says we, and Ben acknowledges, much like Neil and his ex-wife, that he's got to give up the fantasy and give up the happy That's ending. a cold way to say that, too. It it really is. I mean, I don't know if he's trying to be cold at the same time. It's like, this was my happy ending and I have to give it up now. It's kind of like... It's like the sort of thing a 17-year-old would write to a girlfriend that broke up with him. You know, a really <laughs> introverted, like, moody 17-year-old would write. Double check the writer on this episode and see if they worked on it. <laughs> 
Dark Moon. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? The vampire movie. Twilight. Uh, Twilight. Yeah, yeah, I just... Did I tell you I had to host an entire show of Twilight trivia last night? Last night? Last night. It was it was Twilight trivia night at one of my trivia shows, and... Uh, How many of I, them did you know before you wrote them down? Zero. Yeah, I was gonna... I know nothing about Twilight that isn't a meme. Like, the only I, thing like, I know about Twilight is that they sparkle in the sunlight instead of bursting into flames. The brewery I host at has a beer called Sparkle Party, and one of the team names was Sparkle Party, and I was like, that's a great, ah, I see what you did there, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, was, that was pretty clever. Sparkle Party. I got some teams at Trivia that are just as good at making up names as the writing staff of Quantum Leap. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the boat jacking of Super Ship 79 and Hydro, the man with the hydraulic arms. The sentiment is good, even though the delivery is pretty harsh. He says, I can't get over you if you're always here, you know? You you cannot be my hologram anymore, Addison, he says. Yeah. And then Ben leaps out, and that's the so end of the So who's on deck? Oh, I wonder. I wonder who could be on yeah, deck. Yeah, so if I had to guess, they're going to cycle through each one of them, and of course, none of them will be perfect. None of them will be able to do it. And now, in that interview I read last week, they did say that someone interesting and perhaps unexpected was going to step in as a hologram at some point this season oh tom so i bet who tom could, that be? could do it <laughs> tom tom would be the best hologram of them if all ben could really just meet tom then he'd know you of know? course i think the thing that we are perhaps overlooking is that tom and ben become an item if nothing else they'd be the best of buds you know yeah, they you would. stole my girl, but you know, you're an all right guy. <laughs> it would be like uh, you know at the end of Scott Pilgrim, where like Scott and Nega Scott come out of that venue together, and they're just like, "Yeah, we're gonna get lunch next week." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that's interesting. I didn't know like they're gonna bring in somebody new to be the hologram. Would this be the uh, Hannah Carson? Maybe person? so, because like the theory I have about Hannah stands from last week that somehow Ben has set into motion a sequence of events that result in her kind of figuring out quantum leap decades right. before the project's even invented. Right. But right. Yeah. They've got to explain the age thing though. Unless she creates an imaging chamber in like the sixties. I don't know. We that don't know be... how Hannah's going to come back into this. You know, yeah, that's the, that's that is, the thing. Like, that's the no thing. Idea. I am interested in that. I am interested to find out how they bring her back. In fact, I, I don't know, it might actually be cooler if we didn't know that was going to happen. Kind of goes back to what you mm -hmm. were saying, you know, we know too much about this kind of thing now. Might yeah. have been cool to not know that she was coming back. After the episode this week, just by happenstance, I watched the trailer for the series on Peacock, right? Like, you know okay. how you leave it running and it kind of tells you what this show is about and it does like a... I think I did the same thing. Yeah. yeah the thing that I took away from it is like... I think we're all gonna be okay if addison and ben break up like i don't you know i feel like this is gonna be more popular for people than the original series because people just eat up this stuff they don't mm -hmm. care about the leaps i don't think but if you can get a a love triangle all twisted up and that's what i think most people are here for these days you're not wrong and to that end i feel like if that's what this show has to balance, 
I think they're doing an okay job with it because I'm still more interested in the leaps, obviously. Like, I still was much more invested in the leap this week than I was the 2026 stuff. I thought it was fun. And again, Tim Matheson yeah, was, I was kind of the other way great. around. I, I was more, really, yeah, I was more engaged when the other stuff was happening. It seemed more interesting, but not something that I particularly liked all that much. If that makes any yeah. sense. Um, yeah. I mean, like I am intrigued by the, the transmission out. What is the purpose of it? Who's collecting that information and to what end? Right. But the leap itself is just so fun and goofy and different. Yeah. Like, it's really goofy, but it's done in such a way that it's like, it's supposed to be kind of goofy. And one of the moments I loved the most in this episode is when Neil and Ben are at Laura's house for the first time. Mm-hmm. And Laura's fiance sees him out there on the lawn and runs out of the house brandishing a samurai sword. Oh, right. And I'm like, only in L.A., folks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, like, it's right. just one of those moments. I was like, that's great. And then when he realizes, oh, oh Neil, hey, hi, how are you? You know, it's like, and they're just like buddies from the, the show they used to be on together. Right, uh, yeah. It's yeah. just, I, I had so much fun with that stuff. Yeah, it, it was all right. I don't know. Maybe that kind of thing just doesn't, it wasn't for me necessarily. I guess what I was getting at with the trailer, though, is like most of the stuff that was interesting about that trailer had nothing to do with their relationship. Yeah. This yeah, you're stuff right. is pretty interesting, independent of our Ben and Addison and item. Like, I don't need them to be an item. I, like, initially didn't want, didn't need them to be, you know? Say this Hannah Carson character comes along and I really like her as a Like, maybe I just would prefer that they be together. Like, right? I don't know. It just seems like it, they could end up shooting themselves in the foot where we're just like, yeah, okay, these two don't necessarily need to be together. They're not star-crossed. What I want them to focus on is the unknown force that they mentioned in the first episode. Like, why aren't they, like, neck deep in trying to figure out why he's not home? If the whole yeah. system was worked out that, you know, it was going to take 18... I mean, I guess maybe they tried that for three years. But at the same time, they found him now. And right. what are they doing to try and get him home? That's what well, I want to see 2026 work on. That kind of segues into the other thing, the other big moment, my personal favorite moment of the episode. Uh-huh. Which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we need to put a pin in it one more time. Okay, all right, all right, um, all, right all right. Because we haven't finished talking about Neil and what the resolution to that story actually was. Christmas ape and Christmas ape goes to summer camp. Right, it has nothing to do with his ex-wife and everything to do with the daughter. Some of the mail that he gets at the beginning are some return to sender letters that he'd been trying to reach out to his daughter. Yes. And Ben has been off target with his goals the whole time. Blinded once again by his own personal problems. Yeah, well, which he fesses up to in this episode. He says, "You know, I've been letting this cloud my judgment." I he tells Neil the story of the one time he got that. I once got two bounty hunters back together, <laughs> even though people told me it wasn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty great. It's a, it's a pretty funny anecdote to just throw in there. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah, right. And he doesn't he doesn't miss a beat. Uh, Again, Neil. this is L.A., man. Yeah. Like, nobody <laughs> bats an eye at that kind of stuff. Is you know it is kind of goofy and stuff and but it's ultimately about reuniting a father and a daughter which is as much as just driving him up to the house evidently this is the thought that I had given what I think you and I have as headcanon that mm-hmm. Sam had been choosing all of these places to go right because God, fate, or time told him, you've always had the power. You've been choosing these leaps, right? Sure. Did Ben specifically choose this spot and this moment in order to kind of twist the knife in Addison? or To work through his own stuff. To work through his own stuff or to prove to her that they need to be together, you know, true love. Did he specifically choose this time and this leap to get a rise out of her? I like that idea because I think when we've talked about this in the past, the the idea in our head canon about Sam choosing where he leaps is like he's almost being drawn to certain places. Right. Right. Yeah. Outside of the time stream, he's gained some sort of awareness, like subconscious awareness of where he needs to go and the places he can exact change and he kind of goes yeah. there, right? And the good he can if, do, sure. If Ben's being driven by emotion, especially right now, you know, yeah. like where he found himself last week and where he finds himself this week that are speaking kind of directly to these issues that he's having with Addison, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea. There's another little nod in this episode too, where he mentions to Neil that uh, he had a friend in a complicated relationship with her father. Yeah. uh, About Addison. And she said that seeing him again changed her life. And then his words to Neil is having all that self doubt about, do I even go try to become a presence in my daughter's life? And Tim Matheson sells the hell out of it. Once again, this whole scene, Ben says, give her the chance to be angry and give her the chance to cry. You know, you're robbing her of even the chance to make a choice right now. Great sentiment. Great moment. And time travel wise, does Addison still have daddy issues? That's a great question. You know, maybe that's why she's with Tom. Like, (laughs) she seemed to be aware of that. She wasn't like, what? What do you mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I never had any daddy issues. I don't know. I thought that was curious, too. I made a note of the look that she gives Ben when he says all that. Uh Uh-huh. Because it is, again, this great moment of just silent acting from Caitlin Bassett. The look is just spot on. It's a great emotional beat. But you're absolutely right. Clearly, she knows what he's talking about. So nothing's changed. Or... Or she's aware aware that it changed. She's aware of the previous history. I, I think that's more likely. Yeah. Because... Because Team Quantum Leap has records of the leaps, right? Like, they know about what prehistory looked like, what post-history looked like, right? So, yeah. So, we'll see a substandard hologram next week. We can assume, And we'll just know how badly we need Addison to do that. Is there anything else we need to cover with Neil Russell? He makes it to Leno, and his daughter drives him there, you know? Like, like immediately bonding. 
Uh, he becomes a grandfather, like just a really nice, nice yeah. ending for, for sure. this guy. That felt very quantum. And Addison has a moment in 2026 having a, a heart to heart with her boyfriend. Or maybe it was with magic, but she kind of comes to realize that, you know, maybe Ben isn't ready to deal with all of this. And I thought, it's been three days. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what do you mean? Give the guy a break. He's been, yeah. this happened to him like yesterday. Ben never gets a chance to just walk away and lick his wounds, for God's sake. He's always doing stuff. Yeah. If I were Ben, I'd be like so thankful for a leap where I get to sleep. <laughs> you know, just just rest. Like all the, the times in the previous episode last week where he got like drugged by the government and like left in a field, I'd be like, thank God I can finally get some Z's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what took three years? Are we just going right. to assume that God, fate, or time has scooped Ben up and is giving him the option to continue leaping like we assume Sam had? This episode does, again, hint at that sort of mystical element a little bit. This idea that what's happening is ultimately beyond our control. Right. Tom talks with magic at the end, and again, it's more about the inherent altruism driving this project, right? And and what Sam did before and what Ben is doing now. Tom mentions that he had a wife, first yeah, of all. Yep. <laughs> he said, when my wife died, I remember feeling just how powerless we all are. Working here, the last thing I expected to feel was powerless. And that's kind of the, been the eye-opening thing for him on this leap is that, yeah, this isn't as cut and dry. This isn't as easy as I thought. But the thing that stood out to me about that was that he had a wife that died. And immediately I made a note that Tom could have a bigger stake in time travel than we realize. Sure, yeah. If he's got a spouse who died, maybe and the, it could be prevented. <laughs> maybe the season finale is Ben saving Tom's wife. So him and Addison never get together. Yeah. yeah. I'm. Uh, yes, that's possible. But the bigger thing, and this is the moment that I appreciated this week, Tom asks Magic a question about the accelerator and notes that they assumed first with Sam and now with Ben that something went wrong with the accelerator and that was why they couldn't be retrieved. But he observes, what if the engine of Quantum Leap is sacrifice? What if sacrifice is the price we have to pay for change? For 30 years, we assumed the technology was broken, but what if it has to be a one-way trip? Yeah. And I like, that's a great mission statement for this. And it's yeah. a great thesis. I really, really like it. <laughs> the engine of Quantum Leap is sacrifice. Yeah, that's not something I had really considered before. And, you know, kudos to this show to for for bringing it up and making you think about something. Putting it in those words. I was like, oof. Yeah. Wow. When I think about Sam and sacrifice, I always put it in terms of having given up on his wife on his kids, yeah, we, yeah. those were the sacrifices he's made, and he's not even really aware of them because of the Swiss cheese thing. I think it's interesting that Ben has all of his memories, where Sam never got there. Like no, no, always selective amnesia with Sam. Sam, you've got a daughter now. Yep, no daughter for me. Sam <laughs> says. 
That's right. Well, I, you know, those were the sacrifices that I thought about in terms of Quantum Leap. I never really thought that Sam felt like he was sacrificing anything. Because if I'm not mistaken, God or fate or time tells him home is an option. I don't yeah. know if it's like the yellow brick road, but he's just like, you've always had the option to go home. You can go wherever you want to go. And he chooses not to. That's I didn't read that as a sacrifice necessarily because it was a choice. It's just who he is. Yeah. I feel like Sam, every single time, regardless of the circumstances, gets in the accelerator. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no question. And now, if you remove Addison from the scenario, does Ben always get in the accelerator? Well, that's the false... That That's... The, the whole show is hinging on a false pretense, which is really frustrating because there's no, even by resolution, there's no reason for him to have gotten in there in the first place. Literally no reason. If we even just accept on face value that Ben ran into Ian, who leaped back to tell him that there is a bad guy in their midst that's going to kill Addison. Like, leaping doesn't solve that. Like, he still... It actually makes it harder to address. (laughs) Yeah, a (laughs) lot harder to address. (laughs) Because, again, if the leaping is random, and, of course, in season one, the leaping wasn't... Supposedly. ...quote-unquote random, right? It was supposedly, they could tell, he's going to make 18 leaps before he gets here, and it was a lot more structured. It felt like they had a lot more control over it, right? And now it feels like the control is completely lost. Which I prefer. Oh, absolutely. Even if you assume that I have to make... I'm going to get in the accelerator. I'm going to take 18 leaps because I have to secretly save my fiance who's going to be killed. But it wasn't just her. It was everyone. And it was as simple as like taking the message to the rest of them and saying, Hey... I ran into Ian having leaped into someone's, and they say some nefarious figure is going to try and come kill us. There's no reason for him to get in the accelerator in the first place. Couldn't future Ian have said, yeah, his name is... uh, His name is Martinez, and at some point he's going to leap into magic on this date. The whole premise to season one just falls apart. Unless I'm forgetting some piece of the puzzle that really does make it necessary for him to do any of the things that he did (laughs) in season one, I can't think of them. It all seems like things they could have handled together as a team, which I think you're right. All of this came up this week because of the moment that he took to say, I jumped through time and space to save your life. And I thought, yeah, but she probably didn't have to. <laughs> right. She could have said, I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> or you just made it harder. Like you said, you didn't really even do that. Honestly. But Ben's a guy that runs on emotion. Again, like, did he think it through? Did it seem like a great idea? Probably to him at the time. Well, he spent <laughs> a long time planning it in secret with somebody else because they couldn't trust somebody at the project. Maybe Ian didn't know who it was, or I 
I don't know. It's it just stands on Man. such faulty foundation. Do you remember way early on when I speculated that Ben might have been the bad guy? Yeah. Yeah. Really wish we had gone in that direction. How about any dire- <laughs> any other direction? This season feels like it has a better chance of going somewhere interesting mm-hmm. because we don't know what's wrong. The details that have been brought up this week, the mysteries of who's receiving the transmission and is the reason Ben can't come home because the engine runs on sacrifice. And he never will, yeah. And, and he never will, right? And Sam never will either, yeah. I think those are fundamentally more interesting to me yeah, than anything we got in season one. I would lay odds, though, that we are not going to come back to that thought. Of the can he come home or can he thought? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I 100% we are. I think nah, we absolutely are. I don't given, know. Given the time, given the time, I think everything hinges on how many seasons this show gets and where they end up leaving it. But but 100% we're going to get back. We'll to get it. back to whether he's coming home or not, but I don't think we're ever going to really talk about the, I don't know. the implications of it. The implications of sacrifice. And I mean, uh, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. It's such a great idea, though. I want more of that, you know? Yeah, I do, too. I like it. I mean, I guess if you come to that conclusion, like Magic notes, there are still people that would make that choice. Yeah, yeah. He says people would still choose to do this. And Tom is like, that's what we got to show Yeah, Leaper X chose that. So we get, like, a bunch more Leapers? You know, is that what the goal is? Are we going to get that guy Stroppa? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. He should be. We should get a Stropa origin story in this quantum. Well, leap. there are multiple leapers. I yeah, mean, we do know that. that like, multiple good leapers, yeah, not multiple, multiple good bad leapers. ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I got through most of this episode making it feel like I didn't like this. <laughs> but that's not entirely true. I think there are a lot of 2026 stuff yeah yeah, we got to get our heads around that i really just want my quantum leap to be quantum leap but you're right there's plenty of fun stuff in there and on a whole i wouldn't say that suddenly the show dropped the ball again you know yeah no not at all i don't think it's great right down the middle maybe like this was a good episode to me it was fun there was just enough mystery that i was interested in it's definitely out of the four episodes we've gotten so far in third place but it is a comfortable third place. It's not in the running for like fourth, is what I'm saying. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's very familiar comfort television. And when it's yeah. over, it's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> I think emotionally it succeeds in what it tries to do. I think the leap ends on a feel-good note. You feel good about what happened. You believe in what uh, happened emotionally, I think. That felt with, a little weaker for me. With, with Neil and his daughter and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I've said it like three or four times, but I think Tim Matheson's performance, especially in the car before he goes to the door to talk to his daughter, sure. is the reason the ending works. I think you're giving it more credit than I would. I feel like it's a little tacked on. You don't yeah. really see the reunion. He just walks up to the door and there's a hug and that's it. And then there's no leap out. So it's like we spent most of the leap doing the wrong thing, which is fine. That's right. interesting in and of itself. But it was so obviously wrong. Well, either way, like, let's get rid of some of this melodrama for a few episodes. Yes. The only prediction I have for next episode, not really knowing what it is, is that it's going to be a very serious episode. Because this one was jokey. 
Because this one was jokey. Last week's had some moments of levity and it was about like the supernatural stuff, right? I think we are due for a serious episode. If this season were going the way it's supposed to, this should be Halloween episode. Oh, man. Which would have been the witch thing. Oh, sh- you're mi- you might be right. I don't know. Well, that seems serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to play the Salem witch trials for laughs. Let's just we'll say see. that. <laughs> that kind of wraps it up for me, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Folks, uh, thanks for listening. As always, remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode. And be sure to review the show, unless you're going to give us one star, in which case you can take that review and <laughs> cram it. Uh, tell all your Quantum Leap-loving buddies about it. The show, not your one-star review. We're <laughs> so Please don't tell them about your one-star review. We're also available on YouTube in audio format. There's no video. Because you don't want to see that. And you can like, comment, and subscribe there as well. For sternly worded complaints, you can email us at ohboyqlpod at gmail.com. Go ahead. Find me on social media if you dare. I'm uh, Captain Byrne, C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N on Blue Sky. Brian.Lee.Martin on Instagram. Again, that's where you can see me. I tried to get on Blue Sky. You have to be invited to go to Blue Sky. You, you have to, yeah, you have to get an invitation. I requested one. Nobody wants me. Wow. I don't have any invitations. Meanwhile, I will be on no social media. Yeah. Better for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, folks, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room. Lead paint, delicious but deadly. And here comes the metric system. Yeah. In fact, is he doing anything now? Didn't he have some health problems? I don't know. Yeah, he had a car show on CNBC, Jay Leno's Garage. (laughs) The medical trouble was he had a fire in the garage and he got severely burned and was in the hospital forever. That's exactly what I was thinking about. I think he's recovered, but yeah. Um, you ever watch that Jerry Seinfeld show? Comedians in cars getting coffee? <laughs> no, not oh, Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have. I like that quite a bit, actually. Jerry Seinfeld's another one like Leno with the numerous cars. See, that appeals to me. Like, just driving around a really cool car for a little while. Actually, I really enjoy that show because I'm not funny, but <laughs> but I really enjoy... <laughs> took you too long to laugh at that the audience is like well yeah he does have a point yeah we come here for brian (laughs) point being i do really enjoy listening to comedians talk about comedy Mm -hmm. yes they're not just there trying to be funny they're like they talk about the craft of comedy and stand-up and i have no frame of reference for that but i really enjoy hearing them talk about it the process and how it evolves and the work that goes into it and getting just the right cadence with just the right words to make yes. a joke land. I do love that. That you know, Seinfeld made a movie around two thousand and four probably called Comedian. And I feel like oh. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is kind of an extension of that. Because it was the same thing. It was just comedians talking about their craft. But the oh, one cool. thing well the two All right, I'll say the three things that Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee has on that movie are, one, the cars. Right. Two, the coffee. 
and three, 100% less Bill Cosby. Oh, I, I don't know that I want to talk about that at all. <laughs> no, we're here to... Yeah. We're here to talk about time travel, Brian. That's we're what we're actually do. here to talk about a different washed-up celebrity. <laughs>